Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. And if you want to hear more than just this highlight from the show, become a Coast Insider and you can listen to the complete program, plus recent episodes about out-of-body experiences, the scientific search for extraterrestrial life, and biblical prophecies, which may have foretold our current state of global turmoil. So head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for Coast Insider to catch up on what you may have missed from coast to coast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Ah, you hear that theme? That's The Twilight Zone, one of my favorite television shows created by Rod Serling, the genius. And Nicholas Parisi with us, serves on the board of directors of the Rod Serling Memorial Foundation, a charitable organization dedicated to preserving and promoting Rod Serling's legacy. He's a former staff writer and editor for Good Times Magazine in Long Island. He's also a musician and vocalist. Back in 2010, his former band, Ariok, released a CD with the Serling-inspired title Between Light and Shadow on the Retrospect Records. And his latest is his book called Rod Serling, His Life, Work, and Imagination. And Nicholas, i got to tell you, I'm looking forward to this. Thank you, George. Uh, Thank you very much for having me, and uh, thank you for that very nice introduction. I thought Rod Serling was an absolute genius, wasn't he? He was. He was. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, And not only was he a genius, but he was a prolific genius. He he proved it over and over again. Uh, He was just unbelievably productive, and he just wrote so many great, great shows for, for television and for film. Uh, one of our friends, Mark Zakri, uh, wrote a book about uh, the Twilight Zone uh, in his subsequent book, The Twilight Zone Companion. He said that Rod Serling used to write most of his shows by dictating in a dictaphone while he was floating in his pool. <laughs> well, he, he definitely wrote most of his shows by dictating. He did dictate from pretty much from 1955 onward. Um, I don't know if he did most of them in the pool. He did some of them <laughs> in the pool, but he certainly dictated most of his scripts. And, and honestly, I, I don't know how he did it. I, I don't know how anybody can write that way. But Serling was a rare breed. Uh, he was unique, and he was able to do it somehow. Well, let's go back before the Twilight Zone even started. Tell us a little bit about Rod Serling, who he was. He was a veteran, was he not? Oh, he sure was, yeah. He, um, he, he enlisted in the Army the day after high school graduation. So he was... Um, you know, he was had the patriotic fervor of, you know, having seen, you know, Pearl Harbor, and he, he wanted to do his part. Uh, so he enlisted as soon as he possibly could, and he had this, um, this idea that he wanted to be a paratrooper. He, that was just, he was gung-ho on it. He wanted to be a paratrooper, and he got his wish. He was assigned to the 511th Parachute Infantry Regiment of the 11th Airborne. And he saw some pretty heavy combat in, in the Philippines, in Leyte and, uh, and Luzon. Um, and it scarred him. It scarred him for life. And, and it affected pretty much everything that he, that he did from that point forward. Some of his episodes for The Twilight Zone had a war-type uh, personality to them. And did he get that from his combat oh, exper- yes. experience? Yes. He, um, he went back to the battlefield um, several times uh, before the Twilight Zone, during the Twilight Zone, after the Twilight Zone. So um, it was always there. It was always part of his makeup, you know, the, the experiences that he had. So, yeah, there were a couple of Twilight Zone episodes, particularly uh, one called The Purple Testament, which is actually set in Lady um, during World War II. So that was as close as he got to literally revisiting his, his combat experience in the Twilight Zone. 
and then several other other shows, like I said, before and after The Twilight Zone. He was fortunate to be born right in that golden age of television, wasn't he? Yes, he uh, he certainly was. It was a time when television was obviously the new kid on the block. You know, radio was still king in the late 40s when Rod was first coming up, and television needed writers uh, it was it was it was this vast you know i would say vast wasteland it was a vast medium that was just devoid of talent at the time and rod you know uh jumped right into it and he as i said he was so prolific and he wrote so much that he just sent stuff out sent stuff out until finally he started being accepted and and soon enough he was you know his shows were you know were all over the place did you have a chance to talk to uh, carol serling rod's wife I did not, unfortunately, no. Okay, no. he would have had a, a treat with that, uh, quite a person indeed. I bet, yeah, yeah. Now, with, with Rod, he start before he got into Twilight Zone, he was a writer for other kinds of shows, wasn't he? Oh, sure, sure. See, Rod Serling, I mean, some people may not know this, but Rod Serling was, without question, the most prestigious writer in television before the Twilight Zone. He had written, you know, he won three consecutive Emmy Awards for Best Dramatic Writing in 1955, 56, and 57. Uh, Twilight Zone started in 59. Um, so he was you know, at the top of the, of the heap uh, before the Twilight Zone came out. And he just kind of took that dramatic, you know, just straightforward drama sensibility into the Twilight Zone and gave it that little fantasy twist on it. He was very socially minded and i think he was frustrated because a lot of times when he wanted to put social things in his writings prior to twilight zone the sponsors went ballistic and always tried to uh, critique him editorialize and even control him yeah yeah that was that was the big you know the big problem uh, that serling ran into was that he believed that it's a writer's job to do those things it's a writer's job to address the issues of his time and every time he tried to address any issue of any social import on television, the censors would get in his way, the sponsors would get in his way. And it was frustrating for him. And thankfully for Rod, he was successful enough, and he had built such a name for himself, that they were willing to give him his own show. And he had always loved science fiction. He loved fantasy, science fiction, horror, you know, all that kind of thing. So he created the Twilight Zone because he's always wanted to do a show like the Twilight Zone, but he also was able to take it and say, you know what, I can probably get some of this stuff by if I did it in a fantasy or science fiction setting when it'll be a little less uh, controversial. Every Twilight Zone episode, Nick, that I recall, every Twilight Zone episode had some kind of social issue or a meaning behind it. It wasn't just a television show with a cool ending. It had a message, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. If, if it was uh, a television series that just had a cool twist ending, we wouldn't be talking about it right now. No. You know, it, it's, uh, it was always deeper than that. Certainly, Serling's episodes were always deeper than that, um, because he, again, believed that that was part of uh, the artist's job. The art, if it's going to be art, it has to, what he would say is it has to say something about something. And, you know, it had to be entertaining. He did want to entertain, but at the same time, he had to say something about something. What do you think some of the issues were that he wanted to address in his work? Well, you know, throughout his career, the, big, the biggest issue was prejudice. Um, Rod had this, this innate aversion to prejudice, and he believed, it was, it, he believed that all evils stem from prejudice, that that's the beginning and that's the root of all of them. So he wanted to address that idea 
that um, we have this, um, this tendency to look to other people to, uh, for our own faults. When we should be looking within, we'll blame somebody else instead. And that, that idea came out constantly throughout the Twilight Zone before and after. In the, some of the things that he wrote about, of course, were pretty dramatic. But what do you think has kept the Twilight Zone so strong all these years? I mean, we're talking about 60 years now. And next, next year will be the 60th anniversary of the, you know, the debut in 1959. And, yeah, it is, you know, just recently there was a magazine was released, um, a science fiction magazine, but it, it was ranking the top 100 television series of all time. And it wasn't just science fiction, it was all television series. And the only black and white television series on the cover was The Twilight Zone. It's the only, the only one it made. It. And at this point, you know, you ask the average 25-year-old, they're not going to name any black and white television series, but they know what the Twilight Zone is. It's entered the consciousness just as a term. You know, people know that the Twilight Zone means what you think it means. It means something is off kilter, something is strange, something is, you know, not quite right. And it's lasted all this time because of, of Rod's messages and because, quite frankly, just because it was, it was so good. You know, it was just so well written, so well produced, so well acted. Uh, it was just a first class production. From, from get from point A to point Z, you know, so, so that's, I think, why it has lasted all these years. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.